0: It's the key cornerstone, which allows us to create possibilities for advancement and allows us to increase our productivity at work, in life, and at play. It provides us with a roadmap of discovery, of potential, and how to maximize Invention to further the conversation of intuitive and innovative thinking. Noah Graff is the host of the podcast, Swarfcast, a business podcast for individuals in manufacturing. What is not behind a podcasting microphone or Behind his computer, dropping knowledge as a blogger. He is a used machine, tool dealer, or as he likes to refer to himself as, a treasure hunter. Buying and selling used equipment around the world for the company Griff Pinkert. He believes that serendipity plays a huge role in their business's success and he can offer some insightful perspective and some great stories on how the power of serendipity can lead to intuitive and lucrative deals in business, which in some cases can be totally unexpected. Graft is interested in offering strategies to bring serendipity to conversations to close deals, how to create new relationships which lead to lucky breaks down the line, and finally, how to stay mindful of potential opportunities to solve problems and connect the dots in order To be more productive, close more deals, and have a fulfilling sense of accomplishment from a personal and professional standpoint. So let's dive into a conversation about serendipity. Because, ready or not, my conversation with Graf starts right now. I'm Kevin McShane. Let's have this conversation. If you're ready, my friend, i welcome you to the program. And I'm super excited to talk to you today all about serendipity and creating uh, relationships that improve our productivity and life for complain, my friend. Great to see you this afternoon, and happy uh, Chicago uh, Tuesday to you, my friend. It's great to see
1: you. Uh, thank you for having me. I am honored to be here.
0: Absolutely. I No, I wanted to start our conversation by diving into the concept of serendipity and creating uh, a successful relationship. How do you think those two things are interconnected?
1: Sure, sure. Uh, Well, you know, I guess probably the first thing to start with, though, is to just let people know... You give me a little, give a little context of what I do. Um, I, I work in a family business, buying and selling machine tools. Um, for people who don't know what a machine tool is, it's uh, basically every machine has to have another machine that makes all the parts that go into that machine. If it's a pencil sharpener or a car or whatever, and these are those machines. So we sell uh, machines for manufacturing, used ones only and we scour the earth looking for undervalued equipment and we buy it and sell it to other people or sometimes we don't even buy it and um you know that if you're trying to picture these machines they're they can be pretty you know one machine could be 10 feet long and eight feet high or you know, smaller or larger than that, and some of them are 60 years old, and some of them are two or three years old, and we specialize in one, it's called a screw machine, and these are dirty, and mechanical, and often really old but they're often the ones that people don't know what they're worth and that's where a lot of uh a lot of the business comes from when you we we like to say sometimes the the dirty machines are the ones you make the most money on or the sexy ugly machines so that gives you a little context about you know what i'm doing all the time i'm going looking around the world sometimes traveling around the world looking for undervalued equipment or looking for people to buy these machines. And that's why I sometimes like to call myself a treasure hunter. So back to the serendipity with our business, it's all about making new contacts, connecting the dots learning important information in various places in order to find new treasure and find people to buy that treasure.
0: Yeah, and and I'm also curious to ask you about, you know, inclusion and diversity in the workplace. And how do you think uh, serendipity can help us create
1: those inclusive relationships. Sure. Sure. Serendipity in relationships, inclusive relationships. I mean, I actually was listening to one of your podcasts today about um, the woman who she specializes in having in placing people with jobs um, people how shall I say it? what you you know what I'm ta- the one I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I don't know, I'm trying to connect it to serendipity. I, this is one thing we've talked about on our podcast. I, yeah, that's the other thing. Um, I have a podcast sort of about our industry, and we also talk a lot about serendipity. It's mainly about our industry of, of turn parts. We have people on the show, uh, who talk about running manufacturing businesses, et cetera. And one of the things they talk about are the people, uh, hiring people because they have a lot of trouble finding people to hire. Um, and one person we had on was all her job was all about hiring convicted felons. And, uh, it just kind of made me think of, you know, the, the underserved undervalued people, um, as far as serendipity with hiring, you know, I, I think there is a lot to do with that. Um, you know, when, you know, if, honestly, I, I want to just go back. Let's just take it back to the serendipity. You know, I want to define serendipity because it means a lot of different things to people. Um, You know, I, I first got into it when I read this book. It's called The Serendipity Mindset by a guy named Christian Bush. And I heard him on a podcast, and I was just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And so I interviewed him on Swarfcast, and, you know, it's it's all, um, serendipity is all about making your own, It's it's about finding luck. And there are ways that you can attract luck and attract, find coincidences that can help your life. And this guy has a book that sort of gives you tools as far as Um, finding this luck, finding new opportunities, finding new people. So, I mean, yeah, you could use it to find somebody uh, to work for you. You could maybe meet somebody working at Home Depot and you see, wow, this person's really brilliant. And you go, you you connect in your head. Oh, uh, you know, maybe this person could work in my business. You know, so I, I, as far as that question, uh, where where would I see it in, in hiring? Um, I don't know. What what else would you like to know about serendipity?
0: Yeah, you also uh, tell me that you believe that uh, serendipity can be a happy accident for businesses, and you know, yeah. uh, as we were talking before we started our, our formal conversation, I I think. Uh, the life in general noise, all about uh, connecting with people and making uh, authentic human connections, you know. There's a, there's a sign in my office that, that says life is a constant game of networking and I sort of yeah. live by that as a, sort of a grounding principle for uh, the work I do as a speaker or uh, through this podcast. So i'm wondering how you think serendipity can be a happy accident for businesses
1: okay so this is a great question so studying this this book serendipity mindset and learning from this guy christian bush he's he's got some very uh clever tricks and how how you meet people uh, how you make connections and how you bring out interesting information. So, first thing, there's what he calls serendipity bombs. So, say you are looking for something. Say you're looking for um, some podcast guests uh, to talk about a certain thing. You come up with, you know, six different people who maybe you know, these these may be long shots to to actually get to interview, but you you send out emails to all of them, sort of like Hail Marys. And by doing a whole bunch of bombs, you know, it's surprising sometimes that you land, uh, you land some interesting people. And, you know, you never would have found those people and found new dots unless you were optimistic and tried to do it. So that's one thing. You've got to try things. And it, another thing, yeah. Were you going to say something?
0: No, I was just going to uh, uh, follow up with you also have to be uh, vulnerable and willing to put yourself out there, not only as a yes. podcasting guest, but whenever you want something in life, uh, you know, my experience has been if you're willing to put yourself out of your comfort zone you uh, may stumble but you may also learn something along the way would you agree with that
1: yeah absolutely i mean for instance just yeah not being afraid to contact somebody to to aim high or to go up to somebody at an event and um and just just go for it because you're not going to uh you're not gonna get anywhere just by sitting there comfortable you know make a make a phone call find this person that could be interesting and maybe you maybe you know of somebody interesting, maybe you even know of their phone number but if if you don't call them, then you're never going to see what the possibilities are and you're never going to find this. Serendipity. Maybe it was serendipity that you encountered somebody at an event you were at or online, but it really won't turn out to be luck unless you actually exploit that. So I, I, I think you're you're totally right, it, and it was interesting. I I listened to this podcast the other day. Uh, it was the Freakonomics podcast. And they were interviewing this guy, Ariel Emmanuel. You know, Rahm Emanuel, like the former, you know, oh, well, the polit- politician. politician. This, yeah. this is this is his brother. Did you ever watch that show Entourage on uh, HBO?
0: I've seen it before. Yeah.
1: So you know the the agent in Entourage, mm-hmm. Ari. Yep. It's it's based off this guy. So this guy, is like super confident, super cocky. You know he's a millionaire, and uh, and he was giving advice for you know what what are the keys to his success? And one of the things he said was he is comfortable with being uncomfortable, and I was just like, wow, that's like the ultimate superpower. If you just weren't either, you weren't afraid to do whatever or even if you were afraid or uncomfortable to do something that you did it. So, okay. So I I think you're right on with the vulnerability. Um, But the other thing is, there's another great thing. He calls it serendipity hooks. And this is okay. So say you've, you've bombed and you've put yourself out there and you're vulnerable and you're, you're talking to this person. Now you have to figure out how you're going to get something out of this conversation. So for instance, if I meet somebody at a conference or something, meet somebody anywhere and they're trying to be friendly and they say, no, what do you do for a living? Now, I, I, you know, I, I do think my job is interesting, but that said, Like, if I say, oh, I'm a machinery dealer, people are going to be like, huh, you know? So rather than say what you do, you say, well, you know, I'm a machinery dealer and I also have a podcast. And, you know, I'm, I'm, but I'm, I'm really passionate about the Cubs because I'm from Chicago and I'm into salsa dancing. And all of a sudden, like you've got these four nodes out there and all of a sudden you've got all these things you can talk about and all of a sudden opportunities come up, new opportunities. Um, for me, you know, in a practical way, for instance, like, okay, somebody, I have a machine to sell and I'm going to call somebody up on the phone. Maybe they've contacted me And now I'm returning their phone call rather than just return the phone call. I go to their website. Uh, I look at all the machines they have on there. I, maybe I go to their LinkedIn kind of spy on them, find out, you know, who is this person? What, what's their title? Are they the owner of the company? Are they, um, you know, what, how old are they? Etc. And then I'm prepared when I call and I say, Hey, we have this for you. And it turns out, well, maybe he's really not that interested in what we had. Maybe he never really was interested in what we had, but he was sort of looking for something else. You can say, Oh, well, you know, I saw this Acme on your website or this, you know, this star machine. I saw you have those. We also carry those and we're always looking for those. And all of a sudden you talk to somebody about something totally unexpected and often the thing you called about is absolutely different from, you know, what you get out of it and what you get out of is way better. I mean, we've had it happen where, you know, we'll go and visit somebody's factory and, It turns out we look at the machine and the machine's no good but then we see something else in the corner and we're like hey what's that and they say oh you you want that you know like and we just oh well you know we might be interested in that so it's it's all um you know it's it's about having your eyes open your ears open. Uh, I can tell you a good story about this like uh, a month or two ago, there was a machine. It's a a CNC machine, it's called a Tsugami. We had this Tsugami on our website on graph graph Pinkert, that's the name of our company, we had it on our website. And we've had this machine, we've been trying to get rid of this machine for years now. And a guy contacted us about it. And then uh, I called him back. And it turned out he, he wasn't even looking for this machine. He was looking for a machine that was made by the same company, but it was a different size. It was a different model. and I was like, damn, like this is this this is too bad. And I say, all right, well, if I find one, you know, I'll call you back. This this guy, he was from Idaho, he sold, I think he sold guns. And, um, and then I thought to myself, I have got this friend, Randy, who's a, he's another dealer, this guy in California. And he had talked to me uh, uh, the week before about this same model of machine. He had this machine and he was like, you know, I'm thinking of getting rid of it, trading it for another machine. And, I was like, yeah, I don't know if it's that good. Um but all of a sudden it registered in my mind. Like, wow, this holy crap, this is the same machine that this guy had. So, I get on I I get on the phone, I call Randy, I say is it still there? He said, yeah. Gave me a discount. I called the guy back in Idaho. I said, "Hey, we have it." It was a way better price than some other options he had and boom we sold the machine and made you know a nice score it doesn't always happen that fast but you know a lot was going on there it was first i had the contacts i had the dots and second of all i had my my ears open and and eyes open and you know an open mind and that to me that's like the epitome of using serendipity in our business to uh, to find success
0: yeah absolutely and you know no just talking to you uh for the few minutes that i have buddy i know that uh, uh you know embracing spontaneity is also a big part of uh serendipity and really
1: absolutely
0: and really taking charge of uh, sort of Uh, the whole notion of uh, letting things naturally happen. So tell me about uh, both spontaneity and uh, serendipity, because they're interconnected too, aren't they?
1: Yeah. Well, I think... I mean, one thing I, I like to think about is nudges following your nudges when you, when you feel again, like you feel the urge to something's telling you, I need to call this person. Um, Something's telling you, I need to go to this conference or I need to call this person maybe. And maybe it's random, you know, it's just, I don't know. I, I saw this person online and it's, you know it's a good chance nothing's going to happen but let's just do it let's just try it and i think yeah if you if you're just constantly planning everything and not reacting to certain things that you see and reacting to your nudges um you're not going to you're not going to have the movement that you want to to you know, feel good in your life and it's not gonna be much fun to to me. I mean, I think some some people I don't know. It's probably some people like spontaneity more than others. Maybe some people are more comfortable with it. Some people probably more more uncomfortable with spontaneity. But yeah, I think uh with the spontaneity various magic happens. I think you're right on with that
0: yeah and, and in your day job, Dylan or no I'm also curious to ask you about some of uh the treasures that you found along the way and uh, what exhilarates you most about finding a unique uh tr- treasure along the way so what why do you love your job so much and tell me about some of the treasures you found as well?
1: yeah yeah well i I really like getting to meet people um sort of magical when you get to know people i like you know it's time it's it's easy to get kind of caught up in just thinking about the dollars you know you you can you can break it down like well, I'm gonna buy this machine for a thousand dollars and sell it for three thousand dollars. And you're not really thinking about what it's doing, who it's going to. um I think it's important to remember the substance of it. Uh, I think that that the relationships that I get, you know I've got. A robot guy and a guy for this kind of machine and a guy for that kind of machine and getting to to talk to all these people constantly and work together and piece deals together. Come up with a way to create some value that other people couldn't do. Uh, you know, I, I think that's a pretty good part of the job. Um, as far as treasures, you know, just, I mean, I've had some good stories. Like, for instance, okay, so there's a machine. It's called an index machine. This is a big CNC machine. If you bought one of these new, you know, it would be like $2 million. But this machine was from, like, 1999. So, you know, it was like $250,000 or something and not that many people in the world need this machine it's 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 sort of uh you know i i feel like sometimes the weird machines are the ones you make the most money on anyways so i i call i find this machine online this index online it's in germany and uh and then i uh, I get a price on it, and I'm working with. I've got a friend in in South America named Claudio, and he's got a customer named Rogério, and Rogério needs this machine. So Rogério, he goes all the way from Brazil to meet me in Germany, and then drive like two hours way out into the boonies to look at this machine. He looks at the machine, he likes it. But he's like, listen, I've got to go home and talk to my boss and see. Can you, you know, reserve the machine for me? Can I get a hold on her? The guy says, yeah, sure, you can have a hold on her. I told the guy, I told Rogerio, I said, look, man, I'm just saying, I'm just telling you, there are no true holds. If somebody else comes along, You know, I'm not going to sell it to somebody else. But if somebody comes along to this guy, you know, it is not saved for you. So sure enough, um, a day later, I call the guy who owns the machine. I'm still in Germany. And he says, I'm sorry, it's been sold. meanwhile, this guy, he traveled all the way from Brazil to Germany. I traveled all the way to Germany and the machine was sold. So I'm just lying in bed. And um, and I think about it. I was like, I, I left some extra time in Europe because often, you know, spontaneous, serendipitous things happen when you're there and you've traveled all the way there. So you might as well just, you know, give it the opportunity. So I call this guy in Spain, who I had sold a lot of machines to, this guy Javier. I say Javier. Do you have anything you want to sell? And he says, actually, yeah, I have this index, MS42, the same machine that Rogerio had traveled all the way to Germany for. I'm like, all right, I'm getting on a plane to Spain. Fly to Spain, look at the machine, come up with a price. And Rogerio's like, okay, well, yeah, I'm interested, um, but I can't come for a couple weeks. So I'm like, all right. So I come back home and uh, I'm home and, you know, that machine, it was okay. It wasn't going anywhere. Meanwhile, my wife had just lost her job. And um, and then all of a sudden, Rogerio is like, okay, I can go see the machine. I can go to Spain uh, and and meet you there. And I said to my girlfriend, I was like, hey, you want to go to Spain with me? Well, you know, we're going to do this machinery deal and then we can just like, you know, go and look for other treasure around Europe and just enjoy ourselves. And it was just like the perfect coincidence, serendipity, like we went and and she was my future wife, We, we called it, you know, our, our first honeymoon, went made the deal, the deal was way better than the first deal we had originally. And, you know, I mean, it doesn't really get much better than that, right? Like, go back to Barcelona, Spain and make a bunch of money and have a vacation with the woman you love. So, I mean, that, you know, that kind of thing. We've bought machines like, I bought a machine in Slovenia that was in a barn and like, there was like cows mooing next door. And we bought machines that were, they were in caves, like underground in Kansas City that, the U.S. government had kept us like as part of an arsenal in case we went to war again. Uh you know we've bought machines from very strange people um in weird places we bought a machine from a guy in Texas uh from this 200 person town in Texas and we went and and the machine it was full of rats inside the machine. Uh just weird stuff like that. Uh that's the stuff, you know, it's it's kind of an adventure type thing. I with the treasure hunting, I, I used to go to uh to an analyst uh, shrink and I you know I was telling him about my job and you know, you can break jobs down in different ways. You know, I, I was, I also make documentary films, and I was telling him about scouting locations for a film. I had made a film about Ferris Bueller's Day Off and all the Chicago locations of the movie, and how I was going from one place to another. And, and he's like, you know, you're a treasure hunter. This is like finding treasure, like when you're making your movie and so when you apply that to your work and you go from yeah i buy gross dirty ass machines and for a certain amount of money and then i sell them to somebody else for more money like that is a lot different from you know i'm a treasure hunter it changes your mindset you know
0: it's all about changing perspective and, and no i have to tell you just before we move on but you're a a terrific storyteller you know and and Thank I'm, you. And providing depth and context to the stories. It's like the nicest now. thing somebody's so.
1: told me today, because that is one of the things I like to when I do my solo. You know, I I interview people in our industry for our podcast, but then I do like solo ones where I tell sometimes the stories that I told you. Like that's the one thing I'm one of the things I'm most proud of about myself, and I. You know, not to be arrogant, but you know, like sometimes you're with people and like something happened to you both, and they're t- telling the story, and you're just like, "Hey, look, look, stop! Let let me tell the story. You're leaving out all the good details." <laughs> so, thank you so much. That means so much. I'm really glad that you said that.
0: Absolutely. Well. You know, buddy, I, as you know, I tell stories all the time uh, through my podcast. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I originally went to school to become a, a sports reporter. So I love uh, telling stories and engaging in conversation. And you're a terrific conversationalist, buddy. So I, I, just before we move on, I want to thank you for providing depth and uh, some real quality to your answers. It's most appreciated.
1: Thank you. That that really means a lot to me. Uh, I, yeah, I appreciate it. And and to you, uh, I think you're uh, quite a good listener. And that, you know, I like to think I'm a good listener. We all have our moments where we listen and where where we talk and you know where it's appropriate i do you do you find you know i'll ask you a question you know as a fellow podcaster do you find that sometimes you're just not exactly sure how much to interject yourself into the conversation cuz it's like you think you have something really interesting to say and you also maybe want to you know, put your stamp on your podcast, but then you also know you need to have let the other person have the floor and let them you know, they obviously have to be the center of attention. But do you ever find yourself like kind of wanting to interject and and then kind of like teetering one way or the other?
0: Well, yeah, I, I think interjecting in a podcast is a good thing in the sense it allows you to uh elongate a conversation and add more depth to it for example uh noah as you i know from listening to my uh, podcast my friends i i was born with what's called um uh, spastic quadrupelagius cerebral palsy and one of the reasons i wanted to start the podcast was i'm a firm believer that everyone deserves a platform to tell their story from an objective a non-biased point of view, but I also think that inclusive voices and podcasting in general, in my view, is all about having uh, conversations that, that move the needle of pro- progress forward. And, you know, when I, I'm able to inter- interject naturally, I think it's just another way to supplement the conversation right. that you're already having.
1: So, right, keep it keep it natural. I mean, but you know, remember the name of your of your podcast. <laughs> Let's have this, this conversation. I mean, it's not, um, you know, give your spiel. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, that's why it's.
0: No, I was just gonna say, you know, having a two way conversation is a lot more interesting for me as an interviewer than letting someone talk to me for about a half an hour about a book, book they're trying to promote or, or a service that they offer. If you can engage uh, on a two-way street, it's a lot more entertaining than
1: just... Oh, yeah, no, you, en- people, you, yeah. you energize each other. As long as the, the person is also a good listener, I mean, you energize each other. I mean, one of the things I've I've found is, uh, however, is you know I, I've made a few documentaries um, and sometimes interviewing strangers, and I I also did um, I did a project a couple years ago where I went an entire year and met one new person every single day. Um, sometimes it was people on the phone. Um, you know, I, maybe I met 10 people one day, I wasn't able to like carry over. Oh, I met 10 people one day and then didn't have to meet anybody for 10 days. So what I found, and then I would meet people and I would like, when I was talking on the phone, I would take notes. They wouldn't know, obviously, but it's, it is interesting when you make somebody the center of attention, you know, there's so many people that are just looking for somebody to listen to them, somebody to to make them feel like they're, they're the center.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, no, we recently, um, uh, celebrated or marked, uh, national Me- mental health awareness. Uh, Month, yeah. and I, I, I think that podcasting in general is a good way to, uh, not only have conversations, but bring light to sensitive, uh, topics to the approachable way so I, I i'm just curious to get your thoughts on uh, you know you've talked a lot today about being a good listener and one of the things that i i think that podcasting does if you're a good podcaster and you're a good listener because then it'll, i think so then it'll spark spark interest on both ends and you can even uh formulate questions on the fly uh, to also let the person that you're interviewing know that you're interested in what they have have to share would you agree with that
1: yeah absolutely um you know i do you ever do pre-interviews i i i I do pre-interviews probably about 85 percent of the time um which is you know it it's it's very, it's interesting. It's like it's really like you're doing two interviews, um, but then you really have an idea. You know, during the pre-interview, I'm taking notes, and and you really have an idea of where to shape the conversation. And some people go, "Oh, well, you lose the spontaneity because you, you know, you're not meeting them for the first time." And and there's something to that, but at the same time, like the second conversation you have. Is is usually like totally different from the first one, but you at least have like an interesting direction to go, you know? Uh,
0: yeah, but I also think that if you do the pre interview, and sometimes I do that, just if I'm doing like a political uh, interview, for ah, uh,
1: that makes total sense.
0: You know, you do that so that you you'll and you'll ask them questions, uh, at least giving them a framework but sometimes you know if you uh, do the research uh, through the pre-interview process it, it can spark uh, natural conversations and, True. and and you can ask natural questions through re- research as well so you can do it both ways
1: i yeah no i i totally agree i i just i i think yes political that's like the perfect and for a lot of my interviews if it's you know i'm people are talking about technical things with machines or you know certain business concepts and i want to by doing the pre-interview i know like which ones to focus on so you know we don't dwell on something that's less important that said there's like uh, and you you i'm sure you totally understand it's there's just a rush when you meet someone new the spontaneity of it The magic of it you know i i get a rush i don't have a rush but in the morning i like to take walks um around my neighborhood i usually like i do a gratitude list where i say the gratitude list into my phone and um but while i'm walking around i like to say good morning to like whoever i can make eye contact with and then there's just there's just like a little shot of dopamine I get just from this connecting from to another person and the positive energy. Do you do you do you know what I feel like when you just say hello to somebody and they say hello back? There's just it's just, uh, and it's the same when you're meeting somebody new as long as they have good energy and they you know and there's a give and take.
0: Yeah, you know I. Uh, tell people that I relish the the concept and the process of what I call authentic human connections and really getting to meet people where they are. And, you know, uh, through COVID, a lot of people uh, found out just how valuable authentic human connections really are. So I, I, I think connecting with people and learning, you know, I always say that life is a, Constant game of learning because no matter how many degrees you have or how many years of school you went through, you can always learn something from
1: absolutely
0: somebody else. So sometimes it's uh yep. more beneficial to be quiet and listen to, to ramble on all the time, right?
1: At, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I yeah, well, I, I every single night I write down at least one thing one new thing i learned that day and then i write down one piece of serendipity that happened that day or somehow i tried to create serendipity doing a certain thing or and then i keep a diary every day too it's just so yeah you know you make things count and you you learn things and if you can't remember something that you learned that day then i will like go on wikipedia or like howstuffworks.com and You know, just to document something. I know we're learning like lots of things every day, but it's nice to be able to like go back to your day and go, yeah, all right, I did do this. This day meant this, you know.
0: Yeah, and and, no, I'm I'm fascinated to ask you my next question, and it has
1: to fire away.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for that. It has to do with curiosity and sort of the diversity of thought and really embracing the diversity of thought. So how do you think curiosity... That's total
1: serendipity. I mean, that's a in- total ingredient of serendipity, the curiosity, yeah. The yeah, way.
0: yeah, so how do you think curiosity and diversity of thought are interconnected?
1: Curiosity and diversity of thought. Yeah, you mean... You're talking about being curious about somebody else's perspective? Is is that what you're saying? Uh
0: precisely, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I mean I think that it's it is it's a nice thing if you're curious about what other people think. I think it's not something that people in most modern at least western societies do very well um i think we live in an echo chamber we just want to hear people that think like us and i'm and i'm not going to say that i'm i'm any different i i think like to think that i at least try harder than other people to you know at least understand where people are coming from um I don't know what is that is that kind of where you're going with this or
0: yeah you know because i think that uh you know i always say that there's strength and diversity and what i mean by that is like you said if we stay in sort of the echo chamber of what makes us comfortable and always agree with people i i think uh, the, that it stunts our ability to grow. And, you know, yes. one, one of the things that I, I'm, not, I'm not going to turn this this conversation political, but one of the things that frustrates me to no end as both a, a citizen and as a journalist is that I, I think that the world has become sort of territorial and
1: mm. that, you have to pick five. Exactly. That's and what I always say. The team. There's the team. You either have to be on the red team or the blue team. And there's no middle. There's no, like, I mean, just to get specific, right? If you're in the United States, say you are, you know, very pro gun Second Amendment, then you have to be anti abortion. And you would have to be a,, um, you know, fiscal conservative and not and, you know, anti-environment. <laughs> say you're say you're an environmentalist, then what? Can you be a fiscal conservative and be pro-life? you know, or be say you're and and if you are on one of those teams and you deviate one thing, then everybody'll attack you and you're just like you know it's ridiculous it's really ridiculous we, we we don't have good choices as far as who we vote for and i mean granted i wouldn't want to go most other places but um it's just it's just a pity you know
0: yeah you know no one of the reasons i wanted to start this podcast is I looked at the world and I said that there has to be a a platform to bring us closer together instead of always looking for a way to uh, sort of tear us apart from from the fabric of people who we are.
1: And of course, so many podcasts are all about that. So many podcasts (laughs) are just about this is what we think and the other people are wrong
0: well that, that that's why you know I, I try to stay in a, a neutral lane and down the middle and you know if I have someone on that I fundamentally disagree with I still give them access to the to the platform because if the, at least if I disagree with them i I can still learn sort of the psychology of their thinking and then and we can have a much more authentic conversation, because if you disagree with someone, I I, I think it it makes it much more authentic conversation, much more raw conversation, and hopefully in some form or fashion, you can can agree to come to some sort of a middle to allow people to be given information and allow them to make the decision For themselves because so many podcasts like you said they're trying to uh, get you to lean a certain direction uh, over another sorry for going on they're not even trying
1: it's not even that they're trying to get you to lean somewhere it's that it's just like our listeners are people that lean that way
0: Uh, and you know it's always important to sort of broaden your perspective and i I think the problem is
1: it's really hard it's really really hard to change people's beliefs um like it's it's and logic is you know i've read quite a bit about this and logic is just not a very good way to like change people's opinion
0: well, uh,
1: <laughs> the, the, uh, emotion, emotion is is so much more powerful to, to make somebody uh, to maybe change somebody's opinion, to make somebody um, understand where you're coming from. Like, have you ever heard of this guy named Robert Cialdini? Mm-hmm. Who, you, you're familiar? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things he he he's all about persuasion. And, you know, marketing and selling things. And he says, if you're trying to persuade somebody, say, a different viewpoint, tell them a story. Maybe, you know, say you're trying to make somebody get vaccinated for COVID. He had a about this. Uh He says, you know, if you go and you tell people the science, but somebody already has decided that they are one way or another say they're anti-vax you know you're spouting these scientific studies isn't going to really change their mind this is what they believe however maybe if you have a story i knew this person and they got covid and they died and the doctor said had they had this vaccine you know they might have had a much better chance that story may be able to sway somebody a little bit versus just like well duh this is this this is what makes sense you know trust the science trust trust this person trust that person because both people have their people that they come in with you know like Well, you have your your scientists. I have my scientists.
0: Uh, Well, it's just like it's just like uh, the news network you try to want all wants depending on your beliefs. Yeah, same stuff. Yeah, it's the same echo uh, chamber. But I didn't want to ask you about manufacturing and sort of the manufacturing economy. Okay. I believe that it may serve as sort of what what I call the heartbeat of innovation. Because when you invent things, you're really uh, forwarding the conversation as it comes to innovation. So tell me about uh, the manufacturing economy and innovation and how you think those are connected as well.
1: Okay, I mean, you know, if you want to get, like, personal into what I do, I'm this very specific niche of manufacturing. It's the machining, metalworking. You know, as far as the manufacturing economy, how things are going, people, it it is a heartbeat, that's true. Um, I think that Main Street you know, the bankers and the people at the Fed and all, there is a bit of a disconnect between them and the people that are making automotive parts, you know, the small businesses there. Because a lot of them are are still still have tons of work and they still need people. And they still, um, you know obviously they're nervous like everybody else is nervous, you know, with the interest rates and and, and impending recession and, and all, but it's interesting how there is, there is a disconnect uh, between various, what people think in one sector and another. Um, As far as, you know, innovation and, you know, I think our country is wonderful when it comes to, we're still, we're still the, you know, huge innovators when it comes to lots of the important stuff. And other countries are great learners and stealers.
0: Well, if, if you're not begging, you're not trying, right? <laughs> so, in some respects, anyway. So no, I'm gonna end with this. And uh, tell me about when you look at your life and what you've accomplished. I'm fascinated to ask you about your life and your legacy and how you want that to be defined. Oh, that's, uh,
1: I was glad that you, you know, just for everybody listening, watching. Um, Kevin is nice enough to give us at least a few things to think about before the interview uh which was this was one of them um you know I I often think about wanting to leave my mark wanting to feel like I affected people um which is I feel like with the podcast and my writing we have a blog podcast is part of it's called Today's Machining World. Um the podcast, um teaching people things, making people think, entertaining people, feeling like like I've affected people. Uh that is super important to me. Um now I'm a father, so obviously Um, you know, knowing that I've done a great job raising my child, my child is one name is Abraham, and he's a legacy, I wanna, you know, the most important one. So I want to have done a great job with him and make him into a great person. Um but yeah it's i think i think about it a lot more than a lot of people uh this idea of purpose idea of wanting each day to have some meaning watch wanting each day to count whether it's counting because i had a lot of joy at getting to be around my family uh i met a new person um you know maybe help feed my family maybe i helped someone that's another great thing knowing that you that you helped maybe somebody called wanting help to figure out what machine to buy or something and it wasn't about me making any money off them or whatever it was just about being generous and and kind to somebody so those are the little things i hope people remember me for the little things. And I hope people remember me as somebody who affected a lot of people. I, everything's relative, right? I get, I don't know how many podcast listeners, watchers you get. You probably get more than mine. I i, I usually, you know, I get five, six hundred in an episode or something. Um But, you know, sometimes people... Text me or write something on LinkedIn and they say, Oh my God, that was great. And so, you know, I'm sure other people would kill for for having that many listeners, you know, but um everything's relative. But knowing that it, like s- I struck a chord with somebody, that's just an incredible feeling. Don't you don't you you I'm sure you can relate to that.
0: Yeah, you know, uh you know, life is about impacting people, you know. Life is uh, such a gift of uh, a finite amount of time. And, you know, uh, I I firmly believe that the knowledge you can share with others is an extension of your legacy. Because if you can inspire people to reach uh, the fullest heights of their uh, potential, then you've really done
1: I mean, that's what you do for a living. You're you're a You know, you're you're, you're a, a, a motivational speaker. Is that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, that's that's incredible.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, all about you, you know. I always tell people when I talk to them that we're all given a life compass, no, and it's comment upon all of us to sort of point it in the direction that we want to go, and you know, I always say that the tragedy of li- the tragedy rather of life isn't when you die dying it's refusing to live while you're still here. So, uh, when you put put uh, life into pers- uh, perspective, it can be a powerful tool for sure, my friend. But uh, tell me, uh, finally, Noah, if people want to
1: connected with it. What's the best way they can do that? Sure. Well, um, I would love for people to try out the podcast and read our blog. Um, you can listen to it at Swarfcast. That's S-W-A-R-F-C-A-S-T. Um, you can go to Swarf. Dot, swarf Task.com. and I'll go to our, our website um, which is also connected to our blog Today's Machining World and now I'm getting too complicated so just look for Swarfcast um, I'm also on LinkedIn and other social look for Noah Graf and I'm always open to making connections I love talking to new people and you know, I, I feel like it was it was serendipitous that I came across your podcast just doing research. You know, I mean, I had no idea who you were. I, I just looked and it was serendipitous that we interviewed the same guest. And, and then you take, take it from there. That That one dot led to me finding out about you and emailing you. And now we're here and I wouldn't be shocked. What you know? If this led to something else, uh,
0: well, beautiful you know, thing. You know, life is uh, a small world after all, my friend. And I want to, <laughs> I, I want to thank you for joining me in conversation to talk about serendipity, life, and maximizing our fullest potential. Your work in the space, and now on my behalf this afternoon, is most appreciated. And I want to thank you for no, being it was- here.
1: It was. I'm grateful for you and grateful for the opportunity to be on your podcast. And you're somebody that I'd like to get to know more. We'll have to keep in touch.